apart from its jokey pre-credit sequence, For Your Eyes Only was a tough, no-nonsense Bond adventure. For some curious reason, comedic and fantasy elements were reintroduced to the Roger Moore era with Octopussy. Maybe this was because Never Say Never Again was breathing down its neck. I'm Stephen Archibald and welcome to my movie podcast. Welcome to They Came From Within Cult Movie Reviews Watch New Pussycat Octopussy 1983 Cubby Broccoli & Co knew they would have to be careful with the 13th official Bond movie they knew the unofficial 007 movie Never Say Never Again would be coming out the same year and that it would star the magnificent Sean Connery. This is probably why Octopussy was built as a film which aimed to be all things to all people. By turns, funny, serious, outlandish, realistic. On screen, this combination of styles and tones doesn't always come off, but I feel that John Glenn's film is better than its detractors would have you believe. The plot revolves around a demented Russian general who steals priceless objects from the art repository at the Kremlin. In this scheme, he is linked with an exiled Afghan prince and a beautiful woman who hides her deadly all-female team behind the facade of a travelling circus troupe. However, this General Olof's real aim is to set off a nuclear bomb at Octopussy's Circus during a show in West Germany at a US Air Force base. And so, it presents another high-stakes assignment for our suave secret agent. The Afghan Prince... Kamal Khan is played by the debonair French actor Louis Jordan who missed out on playing the chief villain Drax in Moonraker and as with Michael Lonsdale Jordan exhibits a smooth sophisticated persona here the eponymous character is played by the exquisite Maud Adams originally in a shady partnership with Kamal, Octopussy soon switches her allegiance to Bond. The speed in which she changes sides isn't all that convincing, but the Swedish actress's mere presence helps one to overlook this. As you no doubt recall, Maud played Scaramanga's lover in The Man with the Golden Gun, Scaramanga being played 
by the great Christopher Lee. It's interesting to note that the men who portrayed Maud's villainous partners in each Bond film have both played Dracula to critical acclaim. Lee is, of course, a hammer icon. And Louis played the Count in an excellent TV version of Bram Stoker's story, made by the BBC in 1977. The filmmakers had originally set their sights on Barbara Carrera playing Octopussy. She turned them down for the most ironic reason imaginable. She preferred to work with Sean Connery on the rival 007 movie Never Say Never Again. Maud Adams' fellow countrywoman, Christina Weyborn, plays Magda, a key member of Octopussy's female cult. She was cast in this film on the strength of her portrayal of Greta Garbo in an American TV movie from 1980 called The Silent Lovers. And here is a golden nugget of a fact for pub quiz lovers. In an episode of the popular comedy series, That 70s Show, which was broadcast on Valentine's Day 2000, Maud Adams, Christina Weyborn, and Barbara Carrera guest starred. Oh, and one of the show's regular stars was Tanya Roberts, who would be in the Bond movie after this one, A View to a Kill. Octopussy is quite possibly the film which came the closest to having an American actor play James Bond, namely the six foot four inch James Brolin. It's said that his screen tests were so successful he was on the verge of relocating to London to take up the part. However, before this could happen, Roger Moore was finally persuaded to resume the role. The makers were facing Sean Connery at the box office and they didn't want to take any chances. To think we could have had a JB playing RJB. 1967 and 1983 are significant years in James Bond's big screen history. In one regard, In 1967, the official Bond movie, You Only Live Twice, was released, as was the unofficial spoof, Casino Royale. And in 1983, the unofficial would once again challenge the official in another 007 face-off. Although I'm more drawn to Never Say Never Again, it was Octopussy that won the fight. On a budget of 27.5 million, it made $187.5 million at the box office. Whereas, on a budget of 36 million, Never Say Never Again made $160 million at the box office. After a one film absence, 
Octopussy saw the return of 007's Boss M. The late Bernard Lee was replaced by Robert Brown. Brown was recommended for the part by Roger Moore himself. The two men had worked together on the TV series Ivanhoe in the late 1950s and Brown had already played Admiral Hargreaves in The Spy Who Loved Me. He continued in his role as M for the next three pictures, being replaced by Judy Dench in Goldeneye. Poor Roger Moore. He suffered from serious health complaints during most, if not all, of his tenure as James Bond. During the filming of Octopussy, he was incorrectly diagnosed with having a heart problem. Fortunately, Maud Adams' boyfriend at the time was a doctor. He examined Roger and declared him fit to continue acting. My looking into the history of the Bond films has thrown up so many ironies. Here's an intriguing one. By 1983, we had three different actors play James Bond, officially on the big screen. In that same year, all three men played this MI6 agent. Moore in Octopussy, Connery in Never Say Never Again, and George Lazenby in The Return of the Man from Uncle, where he popped up as a character called JB, driving an Aston Martin. It is said that the wonderful Dutch actor, Rutger Hauer, was approached to play the reckless General Orloff. The part went to the eccentric theatre actor, Stephen Burkhoff instead. Now Stephen's fine in the role, but I so dearly would have loved to see Hauer, immortalised for his villainous turns in Nighthawks, Blade Runner and The Hitcher. Play this part. Octopussy lacked his intense, steely-eyed menace. This was the final Bond film in which the title of the next adventure was revealed on the closing credits. It stated that Bond would return in From a View to a Kill. On its release, the word from was removed from the title for some obscure reason. The handsome Bollywood star Kabir Bedi plays Kamal Khan's henchman, Gobinda. Bedi gets at least a couple of opportunities to look suitably menacing. Once, when he crushes a pair of dice in his bare hands. And again, by fighting Bond on the outside of an airborne plane. Another Indian celebrity in the cast is the popular tennis player, Vijay Armitrage. He's quite pleasing as an MI6 operative in India, called VJ. His genuine fear of snakes was written into the script. The screenplay was written by George MacDonald Fraser and Richard Maybaum, along with Cubby Broccoli's stepson Michael G. Wilson. For aspects of the plot, they drew upon various elements from Ian Fleming's short story collection entitled Octopussy and the Living Daylights which was first published in 1966, two years after Fleming's death. After his absence on For Your Eyes Only, John Barry returned to compose this movie's solid music score. The film's theme tune, All Time High, 
was written by Tim Rice and recorded by Rita Coolidge. It's pleasant enough, but not as memorable as most other Bond theme tunes. A rather nice touch in the movie was having Desmond Llewellyn's character Q participate in the climactic clash at Kamal Khan's fortress. Shooting commenced on the 10th of August 1982 and was completed by the 25th of January 1983. The 13th official Bond movie received its royal premiere at the Odeon Leicester Square on the 6th of June 1983 in honour of Prince Charles and Princess Diana. Two years later, Roger Moore was going to bow out of the Bond franchise with a view to a kill. I'm Stephen Archibald and I appreciate you listening to They Came From Within Cult Movie Reviews. Take care of yourself and goodbye for now.